21. Of this artist are the Mayor Lewis Monument at New Haven, Connecticut, the Chancellor Garland Memorial, Vanderbilt University, Nashville, Cary Brown Memorial Fountain, Providence, Daniel Boone and the Rough Fountain, Louisville, Richard Laidgast, in January, 1902, wrote a sketch of Miss Yandel's life and works for the Outlook, in which he says that Miss Yandel was the first woman to become a member of the National Sculpture Society. I quote from his article as follows, The most imposing product of Miss Yandel's genius was the heroic figure of Athena, 25 feet in height, which stood in front of the reproduction of the Parthenon at the Nashville Exposition. This is the largest figure ever designed by a woman. The most artistic was probably the little silver tankard which she did for the Tiffany Company, a bit of modeling which involves the figures of a fisher boy and a mermaid. The figure of Athena is large and correct, those of the fisher boy and mermaid poetic and impassioned. The boy kisses the maid when the lid is lifted. He is always looking over the edge, as if yearning for the fate that each new drinker who lifts the lid forces upon him. Of the Cary Brown Memorial Fountain he says, the design of the fountain represents the struggle of life symbolized by a group of figures which is intended to portray, according to Miss Yandel, not the struggle for bare existence, but the attempt of the immortal soul within us to free itself from the handicaps and entanglements of its earthly environments. It is the development of character, the triumph of intellectuality and spirituality I have striven to express. Life is symbolized by the figure of a woman, the soul by an angel and the earthly tendencies duty, passion, and avarice by male figures. Life is represented as struggling to free herself from the grosser earthly forms that cling to her. The figure of life shows a calm, placid strength, while calculated to conquer in a struggle, and the modeling of her clinging robes and the active muscle of the male figures is firm and lifelike. The mantle of truth flows from the shoulders of the angel, forming a drapery for the whole group, and serving as a support for the basin the edges of which are ornamented with dolphins spouting water. The silhouette formed by the mass of the fountain is most interesting and successful from all points of view. The lines of the composition are large and dignified, especially noticeable in the modeling of the individual figures, which is well studied and technically excellent. At Buffalo, where this fountain was exhibited, it received honorable mention. Miss Yandel has been commissioned to execute a symbolical figure of victory and a statue of Daniel Boone for the St. Louis Exposition. Wycaeans, Lawrence Catherine, elected to the Guild of Antwerp in 1659, born in Antwerp, pupil of her father, January Ickens, flowers, fruits, and insects were her favorite subjects, and were painted with rare delicacy. Two of these pictures are in the Museo del Prado, at Madrid. They are a festoon of flowers and fruits with a medallion in the center, on which is a landscape, and a garland of flowers with a similar medallion. Z-I-E-S-E-N-S-I-S. M-A-R-G-A-R-E-D-A. There were a few women artists in the Scandinavian countries in the early years of the 18th century. Among them was Margareta Zazensis, a Danish lady, who painted a large number of portraits and some historical subjects. She was best known, however for her miniature copies of the works of famous artists. These pictures were much the same in effect as the picture miniatures now in vogue. Her copy of Correggio's Zingarella was much admired, and was several times repeated. Supplement containing names previously omitted and additions. The asterisk denotes preceding mention of the artist. Builders. Marie Van Boss. 
this celebrated landscape painter became an artist through her determination to be an artist rather than because of any impelling natural force driving her to this career. After patient and continuous toil, she felt that she was developing an artistic impulse. The advice of Van de Sandy Dicoison greatly encouraged her, and the candid and friendly criticism of Bosboom inspired her with the courage to exhibit her work in public. In the summer of 1875, in Borden, she met Johannes Builders, under whose direction she studied landscape painting. This master took great pains to develop the originality of his pupil rather than to encourage her adapting the manner of other artists. During her stay in Borden she made a distinct gain in the attainment of an individual style of painting. After her return to her home at The Hague, Builders established a studio there and showed a still keener interest in his pupil. This artistic friendship resulted in the marriage of the two artists, and in 1880 they established themselves in Osterbeck. Here began the intimate study of the Heath which so largely influenced the best pictures by Frau Builders. In the garden of the picturesque house in which the two artists lived was an old barn, which became her studio, where, early and late, in all sorts of weather, she devotedly observed the effects later pictured on her canvases. At this time she executed one of her best works, now in the collection of the Prince Regent of Brunswick. It is thus described by a Dutch writer in Ruse's Dutch Painters of the 19th Century. It represents a deep pool, overshadowed by old gnarled willows in their autumnal foliage, their silvery trunks bending over, as if to see themselves in the clear, still water. On the edge of the pool are flowers and variegated grasses the latter looking as if they wished to crowd out the former as if they were in the right and the flowers in the wrong, as if such bright-hued creatures had no business to eclipse their more somber tones, as if they and they alone were suited to this, silent, forsaken spot. Johannes Builders was fully twenty-five years older than his wife, and the failure of both his physical and mental powers in his last days required her absolute devotion to him. In spite of this, the garden studio was not wholly forsaken and nearly every day she accomplished something there. After her husband's death she had a long illness. On her recovery she returned to The Hague and took the studio which had been that of the artist Mauve. The life of the town was wearisome to her, but she found a compensation in her reunion with her old friends, and with occasional visits to the Heath she passed most of her remaining years in the city. Her favorite subjects were landscapes with perch and beech trees and the varying phases of the heath and of solitary and infrequented scenes. Her works are all in private collections. Among them are, The Forester's Cottage, Autumn in Dorworth, The Old Perch, and The Old Oaks of Woden at Sunset, Beosianaeneskae, Olga, born in Krakow, where she was a pupil of Maitejku. Later, in Munich, she studied with Krischeldorf and Dürer. Her mother was a French woman, and critics trace both Polish and French characteristics in her work. She paints portraits and genre subjects. She is skillful in seizing salient characteristics, and her chief aim is to preserve the individuality of her sitters and models. She skillfully manages the sidelights, and by this means produces strong effects. After the first exhibition of her pictures in Berlin, her God-given talent was several times mentioned by the art critics. At Munich she made a good impression by her pictures exhibited in 1893 and 1895. At the exposition in Paris, 1889, her portrait and a study in Pastel were much admired and were generously praised in the art journals. Cox, Louise, the picture by Mrs. Cox, reproduced in this book, illustrates two lines in a poem by Austin Dobson, 
called, a song of Angiola in heaven, then set I lips to hers, and felt, ah, God, the hard pain fade and melt, D. Morgan, Emily, family name Pickering, when 16 years old, this artist entered the slave school, and 18 months later received the slave scholarship, by which she was entitled to benefit for three years, at the end of the first year, however, she resigned this privilege because she did not wish to accept the conditions of the gift. As a child she had loved the pictures of the precursors of Raphael, in the National Gallery, and her first exhibited picture, Ariadne in Maxis, hung in the Grosvenor Gallery in 1877, proved how closely she had studied these old masters. At this time she knew nothing of the English pre-Raphaelites, later, however, she became one of the most worthy followers of Burton Jones. About the time that she left the slave school one of her uncles took up his residence in Florence, where she has spent several winters in work and study. One of her most important pictures is inscribed with these lines, Dark is the valley of shadows, empty the power of kings, blind is the favor of fortune, hungry the caverns of death, dim is the light from beyond, and answered the riddle of life. This pessimistic view of the world is illustrated by the figure of a king, who, in the midst of ruins, places his foot upon the prostrate form of a chain victim, happiness, with bandaged ties, scatters treasures into the bottomless pit, a desperate youth being about to plunge into its depths, a kneeling woman, praying for light, sees brilliant figures soaring upward, their beauty charming roses from the thorn bushes, other pictures by this artist remind one of the works of Botticelli, of her, Ithuriel, W.S. Sparrow wrote, it may be thought that this ethereal is too mild too much like Shakespeare's Oberon to be in keeping with the terrific tragedy depicted in the first four books of the Paradise Lost. Eve, too, lovely as she island seems to bear no likelihood of resemblance to Milton's superb mother of mankind, but the picture has a sweet, serene grace which should make us glad to accept from Mrs. D. Morgan another Eve and another ethereal, true children of her own fancy, the myth of Boris and Orithia though faulty perhaps in technique, is good in conception and arrangement. Mrs. D. Morgan has produced some impressive works in sculpture. Among these are, Medusa, a bronze bust, and a, Mater Dolorosa, in terracotta, Dashley, Irene, born in Bucharest, the daughter of a Romanian advocate. She gave such promise as an artist that a government stipend was bestowed on her, which enabled her to study in Paris, where she was a pupil of Lawrence and E. Carrier. Her work is tinged with the melancholy and intensity of her nature perhaps of her race, yet there is something in her grim conceptions, or rather in her treatment of them, that demands attention and compels admiration, even in her sweet dream, which represents the half-nude figure of a young girl holding a rose in her hand, there is more sadness than joy, as though she said, it is only a dream, after all, chanson, exhibited at the Paris Exposition, 1900 display something of the same quality, the R.I.S.D.O.W.K.A.S.A.K., Princess Marie, among the many Russian portraits in the Paris Exposition, 1902, the work of this pupil of Michel de Zichis, stood out in splendid contrast with the crass realism or the weak idealism of the greater number, one was a half-length portrait of the laughing Madame, Paquin, full of life and movement word or the pose of the figure, the fall of the draperies, and the tilt of the expressive fan, the other was the spirited portrait of Baron von Friedrichs, a happy combination of cavalier and soldier in its manly strength, when but sixteen years old, 
The Princess Marie roused the admiration of the Russian court by her portrait of the Grand Duke Sergius. This led to her painting portraits of various members of the royal family while she was still a pupil of Dezichis. After her marriage she established herself in Paris, where she endeavors to preserve an incognito as an artist in order to work in the most quiet and devoted manner. Gobler, Elise. This artist studied drawing under Stfeck and color under Dürer. In Munich, connoisseurs in art welcome the name of Elise Gobler in exhibitions, and recall the remarkable violet blue lights and the hazy atmosphere in her works, out of which emerges some charming, graceful figure. Perhaps a young girl on whose white shoulders the light falls, while a shadow half conceals the rest of the form. These dreamy, Madonna-like beauties are the result of the most severe and protracted study. Without the remarkable excellence of their technique and the unusual quality of their color they would be the various sentimentalities, but wherever they are seen they command admiration. Her, Cinderella, exhibited in Berlin in 1880, was bought by the Emperor, another picture of the same subject but quite different in effect, was exhibited in Munich in 1883, in the same year, in Berlin, a young girl with pussy willows, and, a Neapolitan water carrier, were seen, in 1887, in Berlin, her, Vanitas, Vanite to Vanitas, and the, Natmender, were exhibited, and ten years later, cheerfulness, was highly commended, at Munich, in 1899, her picture, called, Elegy, attracted much attention and received unusual praise. H.E.R.B. Lion, Jean Mathilde, this miniaturist has recently died at the age of 84. In addition to the medals and honors she had received previous to 1855, it was that year decided that her works should be admitted to the salon without examination. She was a daughter of General Habert, and a niece of Bellic, under whom she studied her art while still very young. Her early ambition was to paint large pictures. But Delacroix persuaded her to devote herself to miniature painting, in which art she has been called, the best in the world. She adopted the full tones and broad style to which she was accustomed in her larger works, and revolutionized the method of miniature painting in which stippling had prevailed. When 18 years old, she went to Italy, where she made copies from the masters and did much original work as well. Among her best portraits are those of the Baroness Habert, Guizot, Rossini. Isabi, Robert Fleury, M. and Madame, de Torigny, Count de Zeppel, and her own portrait. Besides portraits, she painted a picture called, A Child Holding a Rose, Souvenir, and, A Young Girl Playing with a Fan, Johnson, Adelaide, born at Plymouth, Illinois. This sculptor first studied in the St. Louis School of Design, and in 1877, at the St. Louis Exposition, received two prizes for the excellence of her wood carving. During several years she devoted herself to interior decoration, designing not only the form and color to be used in decorating edifices, but also the furniture and all necessary details to complete them and make them ready for use. Being desirous of becoming a sculptor, Miss Johnson went, in 1883, to England, Germany, and Italy. In Rome she was a pupil of Monteverdi and of Altini, who was then president of the Academy of St. Luke. After two years she returned to America and began her professional career in Chicago, where she remained but a year before establishing herself in Washington. Her best-known works are portrait busts, which are numerous. Many of these have been seen in the Corcoran Art Gallery and in other public exhibitions. Of her bust of Susan B. Anthony, the sculptor, Laura Taft, 
said, your bust of Miss Anthony is better than mine. I tried to make her real, but you have made her not only real, but ideal. Among her portraits are those of General Logan, Dr. H. W. Thomas, Isabella Beecher Hooker, William Ted, Esquire of London, etc. Kogel, Linda, born at The Hague, a pupil of Stother Vernon in Berlin and of Herdrich in Munich. Her attachment to Impressionism leads this artist to many experiments in color or, as one critic wrote, to play with color. She apparently prefers to paint single figures of women and young girls, but her works include a variety of subjects. She also practices etching, pen and ink drawing, as well as crayon and watercolor sketching. The light touch in some of her genre pictures is admirable, and in contrast, the portrait of her father the court preacher displays a masculine firmness in its handling, and is a very striking picture. In 1895 she exhibited at the Munich Secession the portrait of a woman, delicate but spirited, and a group which was said to set aside every convention in the happiest manner, Kroner, Magda. The pictures of flowers which this artist paints prove her to be a devoted lover of nature. She exhibited at Dusseldorf, in 1893, a captivating study of red poppies and another of flowering vetch, which were bought by the German emperor. The following year she exhibited two landscapes, one of which was so much better than the other that it was suggested that she might have been assisted by her husband, the animal painter, Christian Kroner. One of her most delightful pictures, A Quiet Corner, represents a retired nook in a garden, overgrown with foliage and flowers, so well painted that one feels that they must be fragrant. Elipiasius, Sabina, daughter of Gustav Graf and wife of the portrait painter, Lepsis. She was a pupil of Desso, then of the Julian Academy in Paris, and later studied in Rome. Her pictures have an unusual refinement, like some other German women artists. She aims at giving a subtle impression of character and personality in her treatment of externals, and her work has been said to affect one like music. The portrait of her little daughter, painted in a manner which suggests Van Dyck, is one of the works which entitle her to consideration. Elie Weistier, Judith. A native of Harlem on Zandam, the date of her birth being unknown, she died in 1660. In 1636 she married the well-known artist, January Molimer. She did her work at a most interesting period in Dutch painting. Her earliest picture is dated 1629, she was chosen to the Guild of St. Luke at Harlem in 1633. Recent investigations make it probable that certain pictures which have for generations been attributed to Franz Hals were the work of Judith Leister. In 1893 a most interesting lawsuit, which occurred in London and was reported in the Times, concerned a picture known as, The Fiddlers, which had been sold as a work of Franz Hals for L4.500. The purchasers found that this claim was not well founded, and sought to recover their money. A searching investigation traced the ownership of the work back to a connoisseur of the time of William I.I.I. In 1678 it was sold for a small sum, and was then called, a Dutch courtesan drinking with a young man. The monogram on the picture was called that of Franz Hals, but as reproduced and explained by C. Hofstede de Grote in the, Jahrbuch für Koniglich Preises von Kunstsammlungen, for 1893. It seems evident that the signature is JL and not FH. Similar initials are on the flute player, in the gallery at Stockholm, the seamstress, in the Hague Gallery, and on a picture in the sixth collection at Amsterdam. It is undeniable that these pictures all show the influence of Hals, whose pupil Judith Leister may have been, and whose manner she caught as Mademoiselle.
Mayor caught that of Gruz and Pravhan. At all events, the present evidence seems to support the claim that the world is indebted to Judith Leister for these admirable pictures. Mock, Hildegard von, this painter studied in Dresden and Munich, and under the influence of Anton Papinos she developed her best characteristics, her fine sense of form and of color. She admirably illustrates the modern tendency in art toward individual expression a tendency which permits the following of original methods, and affords an outlet for energy and strength of temperament. Friolaine Mock has made a name in both portrait and genre painting. Her, Waldis Grauen, represents two naked children in an attitude of alarm as the forest grows dark around them. It gives a vivid impression of the mysterious charm and the possible dangers which the deep woods present to the childish mind. Mayor, Marie-Francoise Constance. As early as 1806 this artist received a gold medal from the Paris Salon, awarded to her a picture of Venus and Love Asleep. Born 1775. Died 1821. She studied under Suvi, Gruz, and Pravhan. There are various accounts of the life of Mademoiselle, Mayer, that of M. Charles Gwynlet is the authority followed here. It is probable that Mademoiselle, Mayer came under the influence of Pravhan as early as 1802, possibly before that time. Pravhan, a sensitive man, absorbed in his art, had married at 20 a woman who had no sympathy with his ideals and when she realized that he had no ambition, and was likely to be always poor, her temper got the better of any affection she had ever felt for him. Pravhan, in humiliation and despair, lived in a solitude almost complete. It was with difficulty that Mademoiselle, Mayer persuaded this master to receive her as a pupil, but this being gained, both these painters had studios in the Sorbonne from 1809 to 1821. At the latter date all artists were obliged to vacate the Sorbonne Ateliers to make room for some new department of instruction. Mademoiselle, Mayer had been for some time in a depressed condition, and her friends had been anxious about her. Whether leaving the Sorbonne had a tendency to increase her melancholy is not known, but her suicide came as a great surprise and shock to all who knew her, especially to Pravhan, who survived her less than two years. Pravhan painted several portraits of Mademoiselle. Mayer, the best known being now in the Louvre, it represents an engaging personality, in which vivacity and sensibility are distinctly indicated. Mademoiselle, Mayer had made her debut at the Salon of 1896 with a portrait of Cytisness Mayer, painted by herself, and showing a sketch for the portrait of her mother, also a picture of a young scholar with a portfolio under his arm, and a miniature. From this time her work was seen at each year's Salon. Her pictures in 1810 were The Happy Mother and The Unhappy Mother, which are now in the Louvre, the contrast between the joyousness of the mother with her child and the anguish of the mother who has lost her child is portrayed with great tenderness. The Dream of Happiness, also in the Louvre, represents a young couple in a boat with their child, the boat is guided down the stream of life by love and fortune. This is one of her best pictures. It is full of poetic feeling, and the flesh tints are unusually natural. The work of this artist is characterized by delicacy of touch and freshness of color while pervaded by a peculiar grace and charm. Her drawing is good, but the composition is less satisfactory. It is well known that Proudhon and his pupil painted many pictures in collaboration. This has led to an undervaluation of her ability, and both the inferior works of Proudhon and bad imitations of him have been attributed to her. Eb Gwynla writes that when Mademoiselle Mayer studied under Gruz she painted in his manner, 
and he inclines to the opinion that some pictures attributed to Gru's word are the work of his pupil. In the same way she imitated Pravhan, and this critic thinks it by no means certain that the master finished her work, as has been alleged, in the museum at Nancy are Mademoiselle, Mayer's portraits of Madame, and Mademoiselle, Voyant, in the museum of Dijon is an ideal head by her, and in the Bordeaux gallery is her picture, called, Confidence, Innocence prefers love to riches, and the, Torch of Venus, are well-known works by Mademoiselle, Mayer, M.E.S.T.A.G. Van Houten, S. Gold Medal at Amsterdam, 1884, Bronze Medal, Paris Exposition, 1889, Born at Groningen, 1834, in 1856 she married Maidag, who, rather late in life decided to follow the career of a painter, his wife, not wishing to be separated from him in any sense, resolved on the same profession, and about 1870 they began their study, Madame, Maidag acquired her technique with difficulty, and her success was achieved only as the result of great perseverance and continual labor, the artists of Osterbeck and Brussels, who were her associates, materially aided her by their encouragement, she began the study of drawing at the age of 30, and her first attempt in oils was made seven years later, beginning with single twigs and working over them patiently she at length painted whole trees, and later animals, she came to know the peculiarities of nearly all native trees, she built a studio in the woods of Skevningen, and there developed her characteristics close observation and careful reproduction of details. In the summer of 1872 meters and Madame, Maidag went to Friesland and Drenthe, where they made numerous sketches of the heath, sheep, farmhouses, and the people in their quaint costumes. One of Madame, Maidag's pictures, afterward exhibited at Berlin, is thus described, On this canvas we see the moon just as she has broken through a gray cloud, spreading her silvery sheen over the sleepy land, in the center we are given a sheepfold, at the door of which a flock of sheep are jostling and pushing each other, all eager to enter their place of rest, the wave-like movement of these animals is particularly graceful and cleverly done, a little shepherdess is guiding them, as anxious to get them in as they are to enter, for this means the end of her day's work, her worn-out blue petticoat is lighted up by a moonbeam, in her hand she appears to have a hoe. It is a most harmonious picture, every line is in accord with its neighbor. While residing in Brussels these two artists began to collect works of art for what is now known as the Maidag Museum. In 1887 a wing was added to their house to accommodate their increasing treasures, which include especially good examples of modern French painting, pottery, tapestry, etc. In 1889 an exhibition of the works of these painters was held, here convincing proof was given of Madame, Maidag's accuracy, originality of interpretation, and her skill in the use of color, Moller, Agnes Slott, O.R. Slott Moller, Agnes, this artist follows the young romantic movement in Denmark, she has embodied in her work a modern comprehension of old legends, the landscape and people of her native land seem to her as eminently suitable motives and these realities she renders in the spirit of a bygone age that of the national heroes of the sagas and epics of the country, or the lyric atmosphere of the folk songs, she may depict these conceptions, full of feeling, in the dull colors of the north, or in rich and glowing hues, but the impression she gives is much the same in both cases, a generally restful effect, though the faces in her pictures are full of life and emotion. Her choice of subjects and her manner of treatment almost inevitably introduce some archaic quality in her work. 
This habit and the fact that she cares more for color than for drawing are the usual criticisms of her pictures. Her, St. Agnes, is an interesting rendering of a well-worn subject. Adliel the Proud, exhibited at the Paris Exposition of 1889, tells the story of the Duke of Friedensburg, who was in love with Adliel, the king's daughter. The king put him to death, and the attendants of Adliel made of his heart a vine which they presented to her. When she learned what this singular substance was that caused her to tremble violently she asked for wine, and carrying the cup to her lips with a tragic gesture, in memory of her lover, she died of a broken heart. It is such legends as these that Madame Slotmoller revives, and by which she is widely known. Morizoara Moriziodi, B.R.D.H.E., married name and A. Born at Bourges, 1840, died in Paris, 1895, a pupil of Guichard and Udinot. After her marriage to Eugene Manet she came under the influence of his famous brother, Edouard. This artist signed her pictures with her maiden name, being too modest to use that which she felt belonged only to Edouard Manet. In the world of art, a great interest was, however, aroused in the private galleries, where the works of the early Impressionists were seen by the pictures of Bertie Morisot, Camille Maclair, an enthusiastic admirer of this school of art, says, Bertie Morisot will remain the most fascinating figure of Impressionism the one who has stated most precisely the femininity of this luminous and iridescent art, a great-granddaughter of Fragonard, she seems to have inherited his talent, Corot and Renoir forcibly appealed to her, these elements, modified by her personal attitude, imparted a strong individuality to her works, which divided honors with her personal charms. According to the general verdict, she was equally successful in oils and watercolors. Her favorite subjects although she painted others were seacoast views, flowers, orchards, and gardens and young girls in every variety of costume. After the death of Edouard Manet, she devoted herself to building up an appreciation of his work in the public mind. So intelligent were her methods that she doubtless had great influence in making the memory of his art enduring. Among her most characteristic works are, The Memories of the Waz, 1864, Roscommon Bras, Finister, 1868, A Young Girl at a Window, 1870, A Pastel, Blanche, 1873, The Toilet, and A Young Woman at the Ball, Me, Elizabeth. The Fine Arts Jury of the St. Louis Exposition have accepted three works by this sculptor to be placed in the Fine Arts Building. They are the Albert Sidney Johnston Memorial, the portrait bust of Jacob Grimm, in marble, and a bronze statuette of Garibaldi. It is unusual to allow so many entries to one artist. Polly, Hannah, family name, Hirsch, bronze medal at Paris Exposition, 1889, born in Stockholm and pupil of the Academy of Fine Arts there, later of Dagman Bouvret, in Paris, her husband, also an artist, is George Pauly, they live in Stockholm, where she paints portraits and genre subjects, at the Paris Exposition, 1900, she exhibited two excellent portraits, one of her father and another of Ellen Key, also a charming genre subject, the old couple, Romani, Juana, H.C. born at Velletri, 1869, pupil of Henner and Roy Bet, in Paris, where she lives, this artist island sui generis, a daughter of the people, of unconventional tastes and habits, she has boldly reproduced upon canvas a fullness of life and joy, such as is rarely seen in pictures, while she has caught something of the dash of Henner, and something of the color of Roy Bet, 
and gained a further mastery of the best French technique. These are infused with the ardor of a southern temperament. Her favorite subjects are women either in the strength and beauty of maternity, or in the freshness of youth, or even of childhood. Some critics feel that, despite much that is desirable in her work, the soul is lacking in the women she paints. This is no doubt due in some measure to certain types she has chosen for example, Salome and Herodias, in whom one scarcely looks for such an element. Her portrait of Roy Ben and a picture of Bianca Capello were exhibited at Munich in 1893 and at Antwerp in 1894. The Penzi Rosa and a little girl were at the Paris Salon in 1894, and were much admired.